look, I mean, I want to master the art of this first. I want to master property. I want to master this field. The traditional route to success, getting a nine to five job and slowly working your way to the top is over. With more and more people turning their passions into businesses, our generation are supplementing their income through pursuits outside of their job. In our series, On The Side, we talk to those who have strayed from the rat race by turning their side hustles into profitable ventures. We'll be diving deep into their success story, their tools for survival, and how to get ahead when the cards are stacked against you. I'm Chris Adams, alongside my co-host, Redmond Bacon, and this is On The Side. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of On The Side. Our latest guest is Aaron Bade, who started conceptualizing his idea for a business while working for Hugo Boss in Stuttgart, a 3D, 360 degree virtual tour platform that allows you to view houses without ever leaving the house. Now with clients that include Sotheby's and Knight Frank, his business completely simplifies the real estate process. Chris, I understand that he is a friend of yours. Yeah, so we had this conversation before, Red, just before the recording session. Me and Aaron don't really know where we met. It, we have a couple of uh, a couple of theories. It could have been a, a drunk meet at Ascot, could have been at college, could have been at a house party. But um, yeah, I've kind of just kept a step back and, and watched over the, the last few months about how this business is growing. It's really interesting. And what I'm super psyched about is this is the first episode we'll have where someone has conceptualized a, a system or some software and then sold it as a product and service. So yeah, very different to the first two episodes you've had. Yeah, and it'll be very interesting to learn how he has scaled this up while working for such a hard taskmaster such as Hugo Boss. My experience in the fashion industry is the intense attention to detail in every single part of the process. So that'll be really something interesting to dig into. Chris, you said that you had some experience in, in the fashion world. Is this true? Yeah, so this is one my friends love to take the, uh, take the piss out of me for. My first ever job was modelling, so I did a very short stint of modelling, so I wasn't on the side of the camera that I felt most comfortable on. Um, but yeah, not quite for the likes of Hugo Boss, but um, yeah, just a, just a small, small little bit of experience there. What about yourself, mate, in terms of the fashion experience? So I did a three-month internship at Sleek Magazine here in Berlin, so every three months was the latest magazine, but there was a lot of fashion editorials, so this would usually involve getting up at the earliest hours of the day and meeting all the models and all the all the talent and sometimes you know they want special demands and you need the photographer and it's like all the cliches rolled into one so it's a really fascinating business to be into but for me i think it's a little bit too stressful (laughs) yeah i think for for sure you're right mate and i think Aaron's role at Hugo Boss was um, from a project management scope. So I think the stress and the, uh, the, the multi-level aspect of, of project management and fashion probably helped him with that. What I'm interested to find out is the link between the two. I think from my understanding in fashion, it's a lot about who you know. And this is a business that Aaron started on his own. So I want to take a deeper dive into who helped him out. Like for me, this looks like a solo venture, but is there a team behind it? Is there any, any moral support he's had that's helped? So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to finding out more about it. Aaron, welcome to the show. Hello, chaps. Lovely to be here. So how have the last few months uh, been for you? I understand it's kind of an interesting time right now for everyone. Yeah, I mean, well, I think the last few months 
have probably been the best few months from my standpoint. So what we do is all virtual reality based and it's all to do with online presence and digitalizing your portfolio. So I think right now, COVID, lockdown, et cetera, has been the best few months of business uh, thus far. So yeah, I know a lot of people have been struggling with it, but I think at the moment for us, this has been the best, this has been the best thing to happen so far. Vivado was a concept that was formulated uh, when I was in Germany, sort of at the beginning of 2019. I was working at Hugo Boss in Germany, in Stuttgart, um, as a project manager. And the whole time that I was there, I was kind of thinking about more things to do with property. And I was thinking about things going home, about what I could do when I was going back. So the last sort of three or four months in Germany, before I had to come home were all about the development of the idea and it was all about sort of creating something that I knew would be a benefit to people trying to sell things going down the line and especially within property um, but the benefits of the technology really are endless like VR is just going to be the future of everything so yeah I guess from that time in Germany had taught me that there was no way that I could look inside the property without actually physically being there and there was no way that I could ever feel confident in renting or in buying without physically being there. But then I found a technology that promoted the idea that, all right, cool, I can find confidence in just being behind my laptop. And then by the time I got back home, it took me about two months of really stringent working and sleepless nights to sort of get the company limited and put it in a position where the brand was made and was able to be sold at the start of January. And ever since then, the journey has just been incredible and there's been fantastic rewards from it there's been ups and downs but overall it's been one of the most rewarding seven months now or no nine months confidently i could say nine nine months to a year of my life so let's circle back to the beginning when did you first sort of come up with this concept and what were you doing while this concept came about what was your main job and then how did you scale up the second job yeah, so it was always something that I've like played about with in my head. It was spoken to between myself and my uncle and a friend and stuff. And it was always something that I knew that years down the line, whether it be 10, 15, 20, or just whenever I could, I wanted to be in property at some point. I knew that that's where I'd make money. And I probably knew that that's where I could have the most sort of laid back uh, and it, definitely the most enjoyment out of my job. I love interior. I love things looking nice I just love aesthetics so yeah for me I think the in there was just in the concept of how can I make something look as nice as possible and when I was obviously at Hugo Boss and stuff the my main role as a project manager was on a customer centricity level so I learned a lot about how to formulate an app to make people buy a product in the quickest way possible and the easiest way possible and in the most effective way possible um, on the website especially so I worked in a team called the Neo team which was the next optimization engine optimization team and everything there was about redesigning the website and getting people to click onto things and buy products as quickly as possible and in the most effective way possible so here with Vivado it was kind of what's the best way to sell a house and I suppose at the beginning, it was just, right, I want to sell houses one day, but I don't have any money. So like all that money that I spent at university and all that money that 
I blew on those drunken nights out where I might have met Chris. That that money that I had left over, that residual money, was then put into this whole idea and buying the camera and um, setting everything up. I'm sure you guys know how difficult it is to set something up on your own. And I was in Germany for one year. Being in Germany for a year, the first three months didn't really allow me to do anything outside of work. I was living out of Airbnbs. I think I lived out of about five or six different Airbnbs in the space of three months. It's so difficult to rent out there when you can't speak German and when you don't really have any know-how of the language and the culture. Um, so that, that whole process was so difficult and finding things that I liked online, I'd go to view a property, I'd go to view somewhere and it was really difficult. At university, things were difficult. Um, and yeah, it just sort of, that sparked the idea, that whole idea of wanting to be in property. The transition period was kind of like, right, okay, this is the thing that I think can be worked on. This is the thing that I think needs the most help in that industry. And that is probably the thing that I can do by spending the least amount of money and the thing that I think I can do best. So a lot of those skills were really transferable from Hugo Boss, all of the customer centricity stuff, all of the SEO stuff, all of the website-based stuff, everything in terms of that and how to achieve a goal. So project management is all about achieving a goal. So from getting to that start process and that end process, that really, really, really helped me out being there. Um, so once I finally moved into my own place in Germany, in Stuttgart, um, I lived in a little town called Reutlingen. Um, I'm sure there's going to be no one listening from Reutlingen, but if you are, incredible place. It was amazing. It was just the smallest, tiniest little German-Turkish place in the world. And um, yeah, I'd get back home from work. I had a really, really sort of strict schedule. I loved work so much. I loved Hugo Boss. I loved the company. I just completely fell in love with like the brand and, and the company. I always kind of thought I was going to be just in fashion predominantly for my whole life. Um, so yeah, it would be really early mornings, really late evenings, and then getting back home would just be research, research, research. And then a few things kind of happened back home that meant that I needed to kind of be back, I suppose. A few things kind of happened around me and a few things that were happening back in England meant that I needed to come back. And when I came back, I just, I didn't really see any other way of me working. I knew that I just wanted to pursue this. So yeah, I guess that, that whole process, it was, it was the year that I finished university was just a learning curve in terms of getting me to actually fall through and come and really just come out of the other side with the idea and perfect it and get it right and know that by January we can make the company limited and then go forward with it from there. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a long journey and it's been, it's ebbed and flowed, but now I'm here, I, I really couldn't be happier. Nice, mate. Um, I've got a couple of things there. I think the first thing I want to say is I'm really disappointed that you said you didn't say if there's anyone listening from Reutling, big up Reutling. Not going to lie. A little bit of a disappointment there, but we'll, uh, we'll live with that for now. you a brand over here, bud. I'm an entrepreneur. Can't be bigging up Reutling. <laughs> but yeah, I think there's, there's a couple of key points in there. So my first question is you go into interior design or something closer to fashion why vivado and was there any other business ideas you had along the way well you know what i think uh in terms of like the interior design thing it's just it's like why get into something now at this point when i've worked at hugo boss i've picked up all this experience i know everything that i know here 
Um, I have so many transferable skills. I have a business degree. Why not now go into the business side of this and then meet someone who works in interior design down the road, meet someone who works in real estate, meet someone in the art industry, meet someone and network through this idea and then hopefully grow the company to a place where I can say five years down the line, one year down the line, two years down the line, who knows? We, we also offer an interior design service. We also offer, I don't know, a gallery service. We offer however many services. We're already trying to, I'm tr already trying to expand things myself into going into a more of like a digital marketing sphere and making progression on that side of things. So I never, I, I don't ever think that I wanted to be kind of boxed into one thing. I wanted an umbrella for everything. I don't know what the best way to describe it. Everything housing related, should we say, or everything property related was what this sphere was supposed to be. And I knew that if I created that and based it around virtual reality and based it around the marketing side of it, that the other stuff would come. Because just say five years down the line, like I said, we had someone working with us who was an interior design specialist. We'd then be able to come in and do the photography and do the marketing side for that interior designer. It, there's no limits with what I'm doing, which was what the main theory behind getting into this was. And with the technology that we use for the camera, I was just so blown away by that. And I'm one of those people who, you know, like I think from A to Z about what it is that I'm doing. Like I'm really, really risk averse when it comes to me spending my money and me wanting to invest in something. I need to know from the start of it to the end of it that I'm going to be reaping a reward from it or I'm going to be getting something out of it that's going to be beneficial to me. I need to know the whole time that there's going to be something in it for me. I'm not just going to spend money on something or not just going to spend money is a totally wrong word to use. I'm not going to invest my hard earned money into something that could just flop. I, I need to know, I'm, I'm really like calculated when it comes to things like that. And yeah, the, the reason why I didn't just go into something like interior design was so that I gave myself an avenue to get there if I wanted to get there and I haven't closed any doors. I think there's two, two points you're making there. Firstly, it reiterates my, my point at the beginning about who you know. Like fashion is an industry where it's very important when it comes to the who you know. And I guess you've spoken there about I didn't need to be an interior designer because later down the line I would have met one. So I think, yeah, you've done a great job of, of crafting this, this property umbrella that you wanted, wanted to do. My second point there is about, about the costings and, and the investment, as you said. So I'm entirely opposite to you. I'm, I love jumping into risk and it's very stupid. It's why people on my team have to be very risk averse to kind of counteract the way I am. But you're, you're on your own predominantly with this, right? So I guess you spoke about those, those drunken nights out at uni and all the money you'd spent on enjoying your time at uni. We spoke before this about the fact that you'd used your entire savings near enough to fund this. There's a bit of a juxtaposition there, right? You're very risk averse, but yet you're willing to put the savings in. So had you saved enough money to, to start this business? And how important has the funds that you put in been? Yeah, I completely get what you're saying about like the juxtaposition. Um, but what I was trying to say is that I'm risk averse to a point where it's not a risk if I'm putting my money into it. I've put so much time into reading, getting to understand something to a point yeah. where by the time I actually follow through with it, it's not a risk. For, for me, the only thing is, as an outsider, then this equipment must cost you loads, right? Is it like from an outsider's perspective, it looks like this is a, a high cost business to start up, or am, am I wrong? Yeah, for sure. So, I've Chris, I've, I've worked like literally, I've worked forever, like even probably when I wasn't allowed to work. Like, I worked at my uncle's 
tailor and that, that's where the whole like fashion thing came off to start with and that's probably the reason why I thought I was going to be in the industry. I worked there ever doing stock taking which then graduated into me doing kind of like some accounts work and stuff like that when I was 14 would probably be where I, I was doing like the stock taking. Maybe even younger to be honest man. I was like around clothes and around tailoring and around the industry and I got to know so much about it that I just like I loved it so much. But yeah, I, I was, I've been working forever. I was at university. I had a hectic final year of university. And throughout that whole hectic time, I still had a job with Amazon during it where I was, um, they call it a prime student. I was around campus trying to sell Amazon Prime to, uh, shamelessly trying to sell Amazon Prime to fellow Bristol UE students, um, which actually went really well. Um, but yeah, no, I've, I've been working for as long as I remember, like it, I've, I, I love working. I love earning. I love that sense of reward that you get from working. So even if it is really the most like menial task, if I'm feel some sort of progression in myself and I feel that it's going to do benefit be of benefit to me going forward, then I, yeah, I've, I've been doing that ever since I was 14 years old. And I think it's kind of been deep rooted into me, which is why now working for myself and doing my own thing knowing that all of that effort that I put into Hugo Boss or knowing all of that effort and all of those sales that I made for Amazon at the time and everything that I've done leading up to this point now, this is for me. Um, and then, yeah, your question, I guess, about like the equipment and stuff. Yeah, the whole process, it was, it was spent a, a, a fair amount of money starting things up. So that, that two, those two months when I got back from Germany uh, in making the company limited, my target was just to kind of make the money back that I'd made and then see where it goes from there. I didn't expect that I'd make the money back uh, so quickly. Um, and then that sort of sense of self-belief and the belief in what I was doing just went up tenfold. Like, I mean, at, at the start, like I said to you earlier, like I, I knew that this would make me money and like taken away from the money thing, I knew it would just be something that the that people needed. I knew that VR was going to be something that people needed because of those nights that I spent in Germany and these, those evenings in Germany that I spent researching and Googling things and getting to understand things because this technology was originally uh, an American thing. So a lot of real estate brokers, like really luxury real estate brokers, were using this kind of like VR software. This whole thing is, I put so much stress on luxury here because right now if you go and show this technology to someone, just the average person who maybe doesn't know too much about houses. It's really, really brand new. It's overwhelming Like looking at this, like knowing that you can be inside of a house, theoretically be inside of a house using your phone or using your iPad or using your laptop or even putting on those VR goggles. It's so strange when you put those VR goggles on to feel like you're in a house. I can't say I've bumped into walls in my own house and I walk around other places. Like it's, it's just fascinating. So for that to not be the norm um, already and for that not to be something that people know about already is what makes the whole thing luxury. So, yeah, the stress really is on the luxury side of it. And, yeah, I just think I had so much belief in it because of how stunning it was to me. Something has to be really, it really has to look, like stick out to me. And I know that there's five million other softwares for VR out there, but the one that we chose, the Matterport that we went with, was the one that I thought was the most... I don't know how to like describe but it's, it's just overwhelming the overwhelming aspect of being able to put yourself into a house is 
it's just incredible. And that was the one that stuck out to me the most as being the thing that was going to propel marketing for properties and for art galleries and for restaurants. And it would just move that whole culture of how we buy houses forward. Because before I got to Germany, looking at these places on Airbnb like I was before, or looking at on it on Vigegazoot, which was one of the... Red, do you know about Vigegazoot? Yeah, it's a real crapshoot. They have to like you. It's Germans are very sniffy. Sometimes they do these uh, interviews where you go in and then they, all three of them, the, your fellow flatmates, they will grill you. And if they don't like you, then they, they won't pick you. I remember once when I was... I had a flat for a month and then they were all looking for a new candidate and they said, oh, we need a girl because there's no girls in the apartment. Well, there's one, but she needs friends. And then they just interviewed. It was savage. They interviewed like 10 girls in one day. And then afterwards they would like talk about her like, no, don't like her. And there's nothing wrong with any of them. You know, they're all nice people. It's like a job interview. So, yeah, in Germany, because everyone rents. There's not so much space, especially in cities like uh, Berlin's okay, but in Munich, it's like impossible to get a flat. I don't know what it's like in um, Stuttgart, but I guess that must have been quite difficult as well. No, Stuttgart was the same, and that whole uh, the Vegas you think I ended up living on my own in a studio that my friend had previously been living in, and then when he finished his time at Hugo Boss and his internship, I went into the house and I knew that I was comfortable there. My deposit, not too sure where my deposit went, but yeah, the deposit went. Um, but that whole that whole process it was it was really difficult, and I couldn't help but think that if maybe I got the job within the month, I got the job in um, October and started in November. Like it was within three weeks, I'd moved to Germany. Uh, it was just completely random, completely out of the blue, and I couldn't help that maybe if I got to sit in England and really have a look around the property in Germany. There was no other way for me to do it other than to use that software that I had. Because all those photos, you guys know from renting and buying or whatever, that photos are so deceptive. Photography is so deceptive. Videography can sometimes be deceptive. But if you can actually put yourself there and put yourself in like a Google Street View kind of like format, there's almost no deception there. You can just, you can autonomously walk through it, really sort of get the feeling of the place and like the vibe and see the openness. And sometimes you walk into a house and the ceilings are like really low and you get there and you're like, shit, this sucks. This feels really cramped in because someone's taken a photo from the top corner of the room where no one's eyes could ever get to. Shy lens as well to make it look 10 times as big. I remember a time in Plymouth when I was looking for flats. The photos looked incredible and you're right, I think what you've got here in terms of a winner is you probably can't lie through VR, but I went to this flat in Plymouth, the photos looked incredible, we got there and all the um, the girls that were living there had put cardboard in front of their doors and I'd asked one of them, like, just out of curiosity, Why is it, what, what's the cardboard about? She was like, oh, it's to stop the rats getting in and I was like, the photos look incredible, it was like a, it was like a catfish home, it was so strange. So I guess, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping in these luxury properties you're saying there's no, no rats. But um, yeah, it definitely changes the experience. And I think you're right, it gives you a truer picture of what the property look, looks like. Yeah, in terms of the rats, we were, um, so we worked um, through a friend of mine uh, who works, who's been working with us for quite a bit. Um, his dad works on the, uh, the grounds of a police college and uh, the house is over there. Like there's a really 
huge family. It's a royal family, and we made like this whole brochure for their house as like a gift to them. Um, and when we were going around one of the houses, like they're there for about two or three months out of the year. We went into one of the rooms of the houses, did the whole tour, came out. I was doing the editing that evening, and there was a rat, a dead rat, in the middle of the room. I somehow the two of us had bypassed. And it's just stuff that you wouldn't even notice. It's crazy. So yeah, no, regardless of whether or not it's luxury, there's always rats about. But that didn't end up in the VR, did it? Uh, I, I, you know what, I'm, I'm going to have a look. I think it may have ended up, I think we may have just blurred it out or something. So talking about this technology, can you walk us through how it actually works? Because I, either in my head, it's either you take a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of pictures and then you can do a 3D rendering from that or it's very slow um, filming of all the rooms and then then you do some kind of rendering. But how does, how does it work? Because you've got 4K cameras as well, which I guess makes is really your selling point. How does it work to film it and make it look like it's 3D and make it look absolutely almost the same as it would be if you were physically there? So the three, the cameras are 360 cameras. They go on a tripod and scan their environment, just photograph the environment as if you would just a casual photo. So they take six panoramic shots, it's 360 degrees, so it takes six different angles. Um, and then yeah, it's just about you piecing it together afterwards. So you end up rendering the image by yourself. Um, it's a slow process and it's quite a dulling process sometimes having to uh, sort all of that out because obviously you have windows and mirrors and stuff like that. And with the technology, you build a, a dollhouse view. So it's something that's really, something that's so unique about this technology is that you can see the property as if it was kind of like in your hand. Um, it's called the dollhouse because it's like a dollhouse. Um, you can see inside of it, you can see the floor levels and it's behind a black screen. And yeah, you can just get, you can get an impression of the size of the property and the proportions of the rooms, the stairs, where everything is. And that's, that's the really tricky bit because getting that just there and getting that model in front of you is what you, you want to look for when you're trying to sell someone a property. Because if they're looking at it from an aerial view or they're looking at it from really far out and they're zoomed in, and they want to say, well, I want to look at that bedroom. They can just directly click into that bedroom and fly in. But yeah, on the technology side of it, it's six photos taken, six panoramic photos taken, and you just slowly move around the house, take the photos, leave, do the editing, and then get it all out of the way in the morning and get all of that. We do everything within 24 hours. So whether it be your floor plan, whether it be your photography, or whether it be your VR tour, Everything will be done within 24 hours. So yeah, it's a, it's a grueling 24 hours, depending on the size of the property. I worked on somewhere yesterday with six floors. This is a lady who was a uh, hedge fund man manager, really, really wealthy lady, and she was abs she was the sweetest lady. She was absolutely lovely, and she showed me around the house, made me a cup of tea and stuff like that. And they're looking to sell their house at the moment, and uh, I'm going around the property and seeing photos of her with the queen and all these different royal family members and just yeah just crazy japanese art which i'm really 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 into old ancient japanese art there was crazy stuff on the walls she painted herself that was just it was incredible but it was over six floors so the next 24 hours after i left that property was the most stressful 24 hours trying to get that whole thing finished so i wanted to follow up as well from the fashion side of things because obviously when you want to buy 
some cloves and you go on a site such as Hugo Boss or in Germany they have a Zalando which is the huge retailer you can basically look at a say like a dress if you're a girl and then you can do a 360 degree of how it would look from the back and then you can see what it looks like on a model and then you can see what it looks like in different colors was this kind of website interface this kind of friendly interface to be able to see things virtually an inspiration at all on your housing product right okay so my introduction into hugo boss my interview is a really good friend of mine now and he was my manager at the time roberto it was all about me trying to kind of work on the side while they were trying to finish off this ar project so ar is augmented reality and in fashion, like you said, Red, they build this model of the clothes um, so that you can kind of like feel like you're there. So like with our software, we have virtual reality. This is augmented reality. And it's looking at something as a 3D rendered image of an object. So I first got there um, to Germany and started in my internship position uh, where I was supposed to be just kind of managing the codes, managing the maintenance and the day-to-day -day running of the website. I got things finished like so quickly. I picked things up because I was working after work to like learn how to finish these extra bits of code and getting really into my job because I just loved it so much. I loved what I was doing. And then ended up because of Roberto and because Roberto was so forthcoming and letting me help him because we built such a relationship with each other to help me get on board with the AR thing as well because I was so, so intrigued about it. We had this magazine with uh, Anthony Joshua, where you could, on your phone, on the Hugo Boss app, could scan over a kind of like QR code, almost like a QR code thing. Uh, it works the same sort of way as a QR code on your phone, and the image would pop out from your phone. You could see it on your phone as if it was really there. You could zoom in, uh, look around it, exactly the same as a dollhouse of my technology and of Vivado's technology. So I think that came a long way, me seeing that and me seeing how that works and seeing how customer centric that was and seeing how that works in retail definitely had an impact on my mindset towards how I was going to go around getting into um, property. As you said, this is obviously now the trend that's happening in the market in fashion and in, and in property. How do you think it's going to span out? How do you think it's going to, going to improve over the, over the coming years in terms of VR and AR in, in, in the property market? Well, like, I'm, like I said earlier, I'm quite risk averse when it comes to a, a lot of where we go and a lot of how I want to spend the company's money and my own money and invest everything. So I'm getting to a point now where I'm kind of thinking, okay, I've exhausted a lot of my options within property. We work with Sotheby's, we're one of Sotheby's main uh, providers for virtual reality and for marketing within London. Um, we've worked with Lambert Smith Hampton and we're their main commercial VR person. We've, the, the list like goes on with the people that we've worked with. And because of these people that I contact every day and whether I'm doing, I, I do everything from building the website to the sales calls, to the actual work itself, everything on that scale, you're probably gonna deal with me for a majority of it, unless it's something that one of the other guys have brought in sales-wise. But um, no, from a sales perspective, it's 
I know that from the people that I speak to, VR is quite common within property now. But speaking to other people, speaking to just any random person, you get talking to someone and you try to explain to them what it is you do. For them to see that, it's like, whoa, I've never seen this before. So for the common person and for someone that doesn't know about the property marketing side of the industry, it's so new and it's still so fantastic. And that's kind of the thing that I think still keeps my hope going that I know that we still have a lot of time within property marketing. But generally, I think that it's within the next, I'd comfortably say a year now that COVID has happened and now that the pandemic's happened, I could confidently say that I know within one year's time now, possibly less, it's going to stop being a luxury thing and maybe move down to like mid-range price houses. So a lot of the things that we deal with, like a million plus um, on the housing front, and what we do is a million plus because, I mean, the agents can't afford to pay for that themselves. So all of that marketing from what we do comes from the customer itself. So it's like, well, would you like to use VR and to sell your property? Would you like to use this to sell your property? Whereas I now think that the value of our products is now going to depreciate within the market and it's, we're slowly going to have to either bring our prices down and prices are going to have to come down because it's going to become more widespread. We're going to see houses that are worth 700k, 600k. It's now going to become the normal kind of way of marketing for that. We've capitalised on it while we can and especially during the pandemic have capitalised on the whole situation. But I think it's now other avenues. So I think it's now... If I'm going to go book my table at a restaurant, I want to go see this flashy, flashy restaurant in the middle of London. And I want to book my seat on the night of my anniversary. I want to book that table and know what that view is going to look like and say, okay, cool, I'll click on that table and know that I want to book the table because I'm going to get that view of the shard or I'm going to get that view of London that I really want to, I want to see. And that, I, that's, that table is my table and that's going to be the special that's going to be the thing, sorry, that makes my night special is sitting on that table. So I'm going to book that table and I'm going to know before I get there, my girlfriend, my mother, my friend, they're all going to be content with where we're sat. And I think it's going to span out into that. I know now that with art galleries, we're working with art galleries and with art galleries, being able to purchase something online through a feeling that isn't the traditional scrolling through a page and clicking on a piece of art, but actually being able to see it in gallery form and looking through it is is the future it's going to be the future of almost any industry that you can think of even when it comes to clothing if you're going to look around um a department store now just say we hit another spike another pandemic we're so used to that bricks and mortar and traditional way of selling our clothes the online marketing online um shopping story almost doesn't suffice sometimes because you want to just be able to try something on and with a collaboration of technologies i'm sure at some point in the near future, there will be some way that you can click onto something, you can try it on in the mirror. There was a technology that we were working on at Hugo Boss where you could try it on putting your phone there, standing your phone up, and then being able to try the clothes on from there. But if you can collaborate all of these different augmented and virtual reality kind of platforms to then form something where you can feel like you're just in a store, and feel like you've just walked in rather than just scrolling down a page. It's monotonous, it's not customer centric and people are getting bored of it. Scrolling through things, just looking through clothes and saying, all right, cool, I know I'm gonna be a size large. Getting it home and realizing that, all right, cool, you need to size down or you need to size up. The collaboration of those two worlds is gonna be inevitable within the next 12 months. So that's something personally that I'm really, really, really keen to work with because 
to merge those two worlds, two things that I really know about now and two things that I've invested so much of my time over the years in, it's just, it's really, really, really exciting. So I think, I think going forward, it's just, it's the future of everything. They're limitless. It's endless what you can do with this. I think there's a big piece there about the experience. The experience of purchasing is completely changed. And I think going back to that point about, you know, the romantic idea of checking the restaurant and the seat before you go, there's going to be a lot of lads right now with notepads writing down your name. So when that comes out, they won't be in trouble with the missus next time when they order a shit table. Um, Again, we're talking about the future has changed, and like you said, the house prices are going to change. We're going to we're going to predict. I mean, from my prediction, I think that we're going to be in a bit of a crisis in in January. I think a lot of people tend to to lose their jobs around January. You know, New Year companies decide to to let people go. So I think we are going to see a dip in house prices. So you're right. This 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 concept of VR and AR in in purchasing properties is going to become normal across not just in luxury. It's going to become like a a general holistic thing. So let's talk about COVID because we'd be silly not to. Um, I saw an article that you shared from Forbes. Um, luxury property has taken a massive hit. We know that. But I think what you stated was that 83% of people in the UK that are selling still in- intend on selling. So you, you, like you said, you've capitalised off this. This is a great opportunity. Like, how, how have you found it in the pandemic? As English people, we're quite stubborn in what we want to do. So, right, there's a pandemic fuck it, we're still selling our house. Like, fuck it, we're still going to the pub. We want to do whatever. Like, we just want to get it out of the way. But when it comes to that international side of things now, I know that if I'm selling or I'm helping someone sell a house worth over a million, realistically, at the moment, it's probably not going to come from someone from England. It's probably not going to be an Englishman that's going to be buying that property. If it's in central London and it's in somewhere like Ovington Square in, like, the middle of Kensington... It's not going to be Joe Bloggs, like a, like a, a, a random English person. It's going to be someone who wants to extensively look at that property. And it's going to be probably, most likely, either Russian oligarch, Chinese businessman, or just a businessman in general. Someone with a lot of wealth and someone with a lot of money. And to spend that kind of money on a property, you want to kind of feel like you're there. And you want to be there without actually being there. Like what I was saying about Germany earlier. So when it comes to this whole thing about capitalising on COVID, the only reason why we could capitalise on COVID is because a lot of the places that we were dealing with were international. So Sotheby's, we deal with Sotheby's International Real Estate, we deal with SIR, which is just, in general, all of their international real estate in London. And the people that buy those properties, like I said, are all coming from abroad. So the reason why we did so well now and the reason why there was such a spike for us in business is because the majority of those people were coming from abroad and don't get me wrong like this no one's going to buy a property off of just seeing it online and walking through it but it's going to get you 80 percent closer to sealing that deal when they actually see the house because they feel like they've been there already and that is that's the tip of the iceberg in selling everything to do with this business is that right? It's probably it's not going to sell it realistically. It's not going to sell it if someone's forking out three and a half million for a house. It's not going to sell it now online, but they're going to know from looking at that, and they're going to know from getting a feel of that house and looking around it that it's going to get them that one step closer. So yeah, for COVID, for sure, pretty much all of the houses that we've worked with in COVID have all sold or been letted uh, now. 
which is an incredible turnaround rate, considering that I think it's only 8% of houses have actually been selling within London um, during actual lockdown, other than opportunists. Like this isn't taking away from opportunists and property developers. Like there's about 8% of actual legitimate house sales going through during this period. And so just to play sort of devil's advocate for the moment, say if someone was to criticize your business plan and to say, well, it's, it's not the same thing. I don't feel like, like I, I can't hear what the atmosphere of the street is like. I don't know what the neighborhood might be like. I can't, um, smell the, smell the apartment maybe, or something like that. What would you tell them? And what would you say would make up for those things that you obviously can't virtually recreate? Well, then we offer a casual, videography services where if you feel like that that's the one thing that's going to kind of help you to get that little bit closer to buying the property we have a professional camera stabilizer going to the property and we have someone there that can physically actually video the property if you're specific about it and you say that you really want to hear how the neighborhood sounds we can enhance the audio we can make sure that that is as legitimate for you as possible and that makes you feel as comfortable as possible in buying your house in terms of the smell red i don't really think there's much i can do about that anything else to do with sound and visibility that's where our absolute specialize where we absolutely specialize sorry is just in that feeling like you're there and trying to cater to your needs as much as possible and yeah that customer centricity that i learned at hugo boss and those courses that i did and everything that i learned about that user experience design is what's led me to know that you have to at all times when you're selling something or if you're working on something you have to think first about the person that's buying it and i've rented four or five well including the airbnbs that i rented when i was in germany i must have rented over 10 times in the last two years two for over the last four years including university as well i've probably rented about 10 11 times and every single time I've probably, other than the house that I'm in at the moment, have been disappointed in where I'm at. And that's just because I feel like the photography has been deceptive. It's deceptive. Everything's deceptive when it comes to photography. So yeah, the, so the videography, the VR, the floor planning is, is the thing that is the most customer-centric part of our business plan. This podcast is about giving an opportunity for business owners to tell us about their business. But also, I think we might now have an opportunity for any listeners that are interested in a role of Avado as the flat sniffer or the uh, property sniffer. So if anyone's interested, do call Aaron and he can sort you out there. My, my favourite part of these pods, right, is, is talking about the grind, the, the late nights, the, the trouble that people have, the issues people have. So tell us about these late nights that you did in Germany, the last two months of working for Hugo Boss and balancing planning at the same time. Because as I said, for me, I love, I love the idea of doing a day job during the day and then working my entire evening on my own venture and like feeling the reward. Like tell us about those sleepless nights. I, I love it too, Chris. Mate, honestly, I, I, I find nothing more rewarding. I'm kind of, I, I struggle so much to realize my my sense of achievement and like what i've done it's not until i pick up the phone to my girlfriend or pick up the phone to my mum or my uncle for them to tell me that like you're doing well like you're you're doing we're proud of you do you know what i mean and all of those nights where i've spent fucking not sleeping and working until five in the morning on perfecting like the wording of the website or perfecting 
how people are going to perceive the whole like branding of the company like the brand has been like so important so those sleepless nights that you talk about has been all based off of branding like i've learned that about hugo boss as much as i told you earlier that i love hugo boss the biggest issue that there was at hugo boss was that there was almost zero brand identity over the last six years they changed their business plan four times so there's now two brands at hugo boss it's hugo and boss and guys i'm asking you both now did, did either of you know what hugo was and did you know what boss was and did you know that they were separate brands i thought it was one guy called hugo boss and it's his business <laughs> yeah well that, that's what like it originally was but like over the over the years they're, they're trying to appeal to uh more urban demographic of people or the berliner as they used to call it and for boss it was the working man and it was the traveler and it was that person so that brand identity really got like lost in the source of the history of the brand so for us the the sleepless nights and the, the hard work was all in establishing the brand so being able to know exactly what was going to be said on the phone if we were encountering any problems and knowing that everything was like a luxury idealist and getting the aesthetic i don't know if you've seen the instagram but getting the aesthetic of the tiling looking so visually appealing that someone would be roped into it if i just randomly threw out some things on instagram just some photos of some property or some videos here and there it wouldn't hit the same and it wouldn't feel the same as if you saw the labeling of the exterior you saw the inside interior and you saw the photography we want to display everything like that and that's the same we take an omni-channel approach throughout linkedin facebook and instagram where everything works together and it all coincides but back to those like sleepless nights and stuff i mean i'm lucky that i have like really really supportive people around me and i have like really supportive family members and friends and my girlfriend like i said who really kind of just push me in the direction of like just supporting right okay you need to stay up till however late tonight and you need to get that done and stuff it's it's just part of the slog so working at hugo boss i would call my mum up after work and i'd be effing and blinding at her down the phone saying i didn't sleep last night and i've just been at the gym and i've just been working and i'm doing all of thingy's work and i'm doing too much like it was it's those people who kind of steered me in the right direction of knowing that i was doing the right thing and it's so, so difficult to know that you're doing the right thing. And it's so, so difficult on your own. Because, I mean, look, I've had no kind of, like, direction with this. It's not like I have a family member who works in property. I don't have a family member who does VR. I don't have a family member who takes photos and stuff. I was just someone that I had a real keen eye for photography. And I used to love architecture. I love architectural photography. And I loved everything about it. Like, my laptop got stolen in February. Um, out of the back of my car and it had all of my really old like photos on it from traveling and from all the different places that I've been and all the buildings that I'd looked at that I really liked and there's moments like that Chris like I'm sure you can understand that it just gets you down that's like my my baby and it's like right I wouldn't have brought that laptop with me and that wouldn't have been in the back of my car if it wasn't for Vivado and it wasn't for me doing my own thing but it just makes you work harder all those little stumbles that you have it ebbs and flows so much as an entrepreneur, like as someone that works for yourself. It ebbs and flows so much as someone that owns the company. Like one day I'll have no business, one week I'll have no business and I won't have any work to do. But it just makes me work harder. And I'm, I'm so non-work shy because I know that all of this work 
that I'm going to put in now and all of this real hard slogging that I do now, when I get to 40, 50 years old, like they're all stories that I can tell my kids. They're all like motivational situations that I can tell my friends. I, I try so hard not to get stuck into that whole like uh, listening to Gary V's podcast and shouting and swearing like all day. Like I just want to kind of like do my own thing and know what's best for me. And having that own, having your own like sense of self-worth and knowing what you're worth and knowing what you're able to do and knowing that the right thing to do is staying up tonight and getting this finished because in the morning I'm probably not going to feel like doing this and won't care about it. Like you have to just take every day as it comes and if it means staying up too late to get whatever you want to do finished, it, it just has to be done because no one else is going to do it for you, man. No one else is going to do anything for you. So there's a word floating around here and I, I'm sure Red will agree. The word perfectionist. Um, I can tell you're a perfectionist 100% and I guarantee that one of those people that you said has backed you so much and motivated you so much, your mum, your uncle, your girlfriend has used that word to describe you at some point. For me, I think being a young entrepreneur is about perfectionism in the topic you feel passionate about. Would you agree? I, I, per, I personally think so. I, I think the perfectionist mentality and, and writing all of those things down, I have a notepad that's next to me almost 24-7 of just things that I write down about, whether it be to do with my business or something that I want to think of like further down the line. Having that attention to detail is what makes a successful business because wasting time and kind of like not thinking enough into it, it's so easy to think that you're wasting time when you're being a perfectionist. There's so many nights when I'm sat there, like I said about the wording of the website, like I have to deal with so much SEO stuff and I have to deal with so much wording on my website to make sure that we're ranking high for virtual reality, for instance. And all of that stuff is like, I'm wasting my time. Like this isn't gonna help me out at, at all. Like this isn't gonna do anything for me. But sending those emails out to the people after you finish the work to say thank you and doing everything that you think represents the brand, like, like I said, sorry, sending those emails out afterwards to tell them thank you for your business and if you ever need anything going down the line Vivado are more than willing to help you and just be that perfectionist is the thing that you'll randomly get a call from someone one day because of that little thing that you've done and that attention to detail it just it matters so much down the line I genuinely can't stress that enough how much the attention to detail matters and I'm sure both of you know that with everything that the two of you are doing that every single thing that you do will either come and bite you up the arse or will pay dividends at some point. So talking about attention to details, obviously if you have worked in Germany, you have noticed that Germans like to plan, plan, and then plan again, and then go over everything again. So usually of a work process in Germany, it takes, it takes quite a long time. The only time is sometimes they start to panic at the last moment, which is a part of that meticulousness. But has this kind of immersing yourself in a different work culture in a different country, has that helped give you a different perspective on business? And how is it different from the UK? One 100% red. Like I thought before I got out there that I was just in love with fashion and I had like a passion for fashion. Like <laughs> as cringy as that is, like I thought the passion was just in the fashion and just in the industry. But then I found afterwards it was in the business. And it was that attention to detail that every single thing that had to go onto the website, everything that had to go onto the app, had to go through 500 different people before you actually got there. So those little changes that you'd make on the website, the Neo team would be would work in sprints. So the sprints would last two weeks and it would be, right, what are we going to put on that top bar? And it would go for about 
six to seven different people about what we thought and we'd have a project management team who would then deal with collectively think of their ideas on why that would look best and what would look best there so that stringent attention to detail kind of like working environment everything that I learned in Germany I'd say translated back to what I did now and especially those days where I'd be sat in there going over that top little what color should that bar be does that color comply with the rest of Hugo's aesthetics everything like that made a difference to what I'm doing now like I'm in contact with a guy right now who does the SEO he's the lead SEO guy for the Hugo Boss website who's working on my SEO so I know that that's going to be someone who has the same care for his job and has the same care for SEO as I do for my for my company because I've seen how he works and I know how he does things and it is like you said it's that German mentality like it's it really is efficient and what is interesting is when you create a website it's usually the simplest looking websites that have had the most effort put into them so it takes effort to look so simple so I look at your website it's the logo is 3d I've just noticed that now and then you have the four verticals so home about portfolio contact I'm sure those four bars took ages to think about which one is the most important what's the easiest in terms of user experience is this true exactly that's exactly what it is is it's user experience like we're adding a, um, a FAQ frequently asked questions tab on there so that when people google how much is VR cost we would hopefully rank higher for those questions and will VR work in restaurants and we'll talk about why for that but then it's just all about the google rank with that sort of thing but no yeah like, like you said about the uh, the attention to detail in the simplistic aspects is no one wants to rummage through something if you go to sports direct you know that you're going to be sat there rummaging through something all day. and you're, But if you go to like a Louis Vuitton, you know you're going to go to the Louis Vuitton store and you're, you're going to, the colours are going to be laid out, the product's going to be laid out in like an orderly fashion. It's not just going to be slaz and just shit everywhere and things thrown all over the floor. And that's the difference between luxury. I think there's a portrayal there as well, isn't there? Like your website is easy to navigate, just like the properties that you, that you market. Mm-hmm. 100%. And even with the logo back to attention to detail it's a 3d company so you've just said that you've just realized that now it's just quite a cool thing to have like a 3d logo we could just put a v on a page we could just write bravado on there we could just we could do whatever we wanted but we wanted something that was right okay this is a v and you can see all around it and as stupid as it sounds it's just the attention to detail and it just looks cool and it is what we do I hope by now the listeners of the On The Side podcast have kind of maybe had a think about the ideas they have, but maybe they don't particularly yet know how they sell the product or how they get it out there. Now, a massive thing that I've been impressed with is these partnerships. Like Sotheby's is a massive name. How, how did that even come about? It's like learning every single day. So in terms of people who want to like go and do their own thing, just go do it and make the mistakes as you're going. If there's one thing that I knew that I was good at before I started it, it was customer centricity and it was um, design and aesthetics. But down the line, I've realized, all right, cool, I'm quite a good salesman. I'm quite good at negotiating. And when it came down to the Sotheby's thing, for instance, like it was something that really happened quite recently where a car customer wasn't happy about paying for something going further down the line. And... I had to negotiate with Sotheby's to let them know that, look, if you're not going to pay this invoice or your customer's not going to pay this invoice, then we need to know that we're going to be getting work further down the line. 
So after that, that guy that we were dealing with, the guy who's the head of lettings and international lettings at Sotheby's, was like, right, cool. Just to avoid this situation for myself and just for myself to stay out of this conflict, this potential conflict further down the line, we need to now give them as much business as possible. And that's when we became their main service provider for pretty much everything marketing-wise, photography, floor planning, and VR. Um, so it's just things that you learn going further down the line. So those fuck up situations where I'd say like four months ago, if someone had said, oh, they're not going to, they didn't want to pay because they didn't realize it was going to cost this much. I would have folded and been like, oh, fine, fucking just give me 50 quid. Now it's like, all right, cool. I, I know the value of this and I know how much this is worth and I know how much I'm so passionate about it now and I understand it so well and I understand what I'm selling so well and I know the company so well that I'm willing to make those sort of decisions that I probably wouldn't have made as an inexperienced Aaron who was just starting like a couple of weeks down the line or a couple of months down the line. Your contact at Sotheby's, how did you get in touch? Did you just, you know, slide into his DMs or was it through someone you knew or? We did, we did. We actually slid into the DMs. Now we we, uh, we dropped them a quick email. Uh, we also contacted them on Instagram as well, just to sort of let them know of our presence. So the Instagram page, like it really isn't there for people to get in contact with us. It's more for other people to just the display mechanism. So for someone like Sotheby's, if we message them, we know that they're going to go onto our page if it's something that they look at all interested in. And most of the time when it comes to VR, people are probably going to be interested in it because they know well enough, as I do, that it's, and as most people know now, that it's like the future of property. So if they say, all right, cool, we're selling VR, right, what makes you different now to us? Let's go on their Instagram page and see why that's so good. And it's like, okay, shit, we understand why this product's so luxury just by looking at their Instagram page. And then, yeah, just with work over time, odd jobs became, right, okay, cool, we'll give you two jobs a week. And yeah, just so on and so forth. It ended up just being kind of like a partnership. And partnerships, what we want to stress so much is that short-term work is cool, but like a long-term partnership is what we want to aim for with everything. So whether we're working with Sotheby's, whether we're working with Lambert Smithampton, maintaining those relationships and making sure that it's something that's not just for the short term but it's something that's going to benefit us months down the line and something that's going to keep us ticking over there's something that one of my friends dads told me once that seemed to have been one of the most important things for me um, in business and it honestly it's it sounds so stupid when you say it but there's low hanging fruit and then there's like game changers so the low hanging fruit is the Sotheby's where it's like all right I'm going to work on X amount of properties per month, however much our contract is at the moment, we tend to do, I don't know, two a week or three a week. Um, that That's the low-hanging fruit. That's just the things that are going to pay the website fees, camera fees, the wages, all of that stuff. But then we'll get a contract with someone like Lambert Smithampton to do something huge like their all of their commercial properties in Reading, in the Reading Town Centre and be working on that for a month on the side of what we're doing with Sotheby's. And that's the stuff that makes the real money. Like the low hanging fruit is the thing that keeps you ticking. And then those big contracts with the Ackle Group, with Lambert Smithampton, with potentially an art gallery and with this Bristol based artist that we work for are the ones that are gonna make us the money. And then the, the other things are just gonna kind of follow. I wanted to follow up a bit because I'm quite interested in both the, the art side and also obviously there's Sotheby's and then there's Sotheby's Home which have all these different um, uh, products you can buy that to put in your house. Is there any kind of idea that you could create an interactive platform where you, you're looking around the house but you could also pick products 
to put in the house. I'm sort of describing Sims here, where you could then put the products in the house and then you'd see how it would look like and you could sort of build your ideal home using a this program. Or have I just sold you a great idea? Look, I mean, that looks like, sounds like something I'd like to build on like in the future. I mean, this is what I was kind of talking to you about with the retail aspects of things, is that you should be able to, it should be a completely, it should be a complete channel and it should be a full process that can be done online with confidence. So whether it be for your home or whether it just be for trying on an outfit, that whole process should be able to be done online now because everyone has Wi-Fi, everyone has a laptop, like obviously with the exception of a few people in the world, but most of what is done now in real life, especially after this pandemic, is done online. So there's going to be so much stress and so much assurance put on online buying now that you want to give the customer the most assurance and you want to give them the most comfort in buying and knowing that right if we're going to buy this at the auction house this has to be the same feeling that we get at the auction house as we're doing it online but sort of virtual auctions as well and also for curators to see how their art would look in a museum if that makes sense galleries yes and the, and the auction houses is something that we're working on at the moment with Sotheby's that we're contacting them about and we're, we're talking to someone at Sotheby's now about potentially running online auctions um through vr and it probably won't be auctions it will probably be more kind of selling based because with the technology it's going to be it's, it's so difficult to have a live stream of people i'd like this to be live like i'd like to do a festival for instance where we were in the middle of a crowd and we were videoing glastonbury festival and getting everything done like this was something that was being talked about in like january february time with a friend speaking to someone who runs Glastonbury about having a live stream. It's just not what the technology does at the moment. And look, I mean, I want to master the art of this first. I want to master property. I want to master this field before we can consider moving into something more specialist like down the line. And like I said, going back to what I said about being risk averse, I'm not ready to put the investment of the father and everything that we've made into doing something like that without doing a considerable amount of research. And right now, I just want to get good at this and be the best at this. I ultimately want to be the best at this. There's obviously a lot of avenues you can take in terms of whether you switch up the VR side of things or you switch up the sectors that you work in. Obviously, I've, so I've looked through your portfolio, there's a lot of um, private residential, there's some commercial stuff in there. Is Vivado ever going to be seen in healthcare, tech, education? Is it on your mind? Healthcare? is something that I would I would love to work in. I would love to be of some benefit, but I don't know if you could bounce off an idea for me now on, on how you think that it could be used within, within healthcare. They use it in teaching with Google Glass, so you can do the surgeries and then your other students can see exactly how it should be done. That's insane. So, so about, about like when it comes to the like, condensing and being good at just the one thing at the moment i mean schools are closed um or schools were going to be closed into the foreseeable future so for someone to be able to look around a private school at or a school at, or a university sadly my university didn't give me much help in uh in terms of this going forward like we contacted the uni and the uni were really good for about a week until it came down to the right okay you're gonna to have to fork out x amount of money or whatever 
but it would be a fantastic idea now to know that a, a student who were coming from abroad who couldn't have a look through it their parents could come and look through the university and have the confidence that we know that our students can be getting the absolute best facilities for what we're doing and you, like you said earlier Red, there is the ability on the technology side of things i don't know how much of what you've done we've seen but we have tags on there where you can read about stuff so with the art galleries and stuff for instance like you can buy things directly from there because you can look at it click on the piece of art and then shop directly through there um i'd like to say we could go into an old people's home or something like that and and, and work on something like that obviously it's really difficult right now but further down the line i'd like to do something that benefited people in such a way that it changed like lives that sounds so far-fetched and that sounds like Kanye West, but I mean, like, I want to do something that kind of like changes things. So whether that still be in VR, like I'm sure there will be some benefits of it down the line, but right now it's just a benefit to the environment because people don't maybe have to make that flight and don't have to travel and don't have to do this. So it's quite sustainable in that, but I'd like to make that, that outreach bigger and I'd like to maybe do something that people can, it will like change like lives instead of just changing like public perception. Like it's, ah, I have such big dreams for, everything that I do and maybe if Vivado is not the thing that does end up like changing people's actual like lives something further down the line will do something for people that will benefit so much that it will change people's like ways of thinking it will change it will just make people's lives easier and right now this is making people's lives easier it's making real estate agents lives easier it's making people's lives easier who want to buy a house but on the grand scheme of things like there's probably more that can be done with it but right now I just want to I want to conquer real estate and i want to conquer this space before i move on to the next i think you've been super hard on yourself there in terms of having a good impact on the world like you, you said about your mum and your uncle and your girlfriend calling you out for, for not giving yourself credit if i was a if i was a foreign student moving to the uk and i had an experience where i could live in my house for my, my future house for five ten minutes i'd feel much more comfortable doing that than some some stingy photos so um Mate, for sure. I think it's a, it's a really cool, really cool concept. You've got an, an incredible brand. It's smart. It's clean. It's luxurious. Exactly the things you thought about. Um, and I, I have to. I, I can't sit back and say I'm I'm not impressed because I I really am. I want to focus quickly on a bit of a softer side. Again, talking about your mum, your uncle, and, and your girlfriend. Setting up a business is very often a lonely process. Like you said, there's a lot of sleepless nights where you work work by yourself and you have to kind of self motivate. How important has your has the support of your loved ones been? And how, how good have they been during the process? Well, sorry, not to discredit like my, my dad and like my aunties at all, or like even my friends, like ev everyone has, everyone's been so good. Like everyone around me, like I've got a real small kind of like circle of friends and like my girlfriend, even going to like my girlfriend's family, like for instance, like everyone just sort of like wants the best for me and they can see that vision, they can see that passion and they're really happy to look, just let me get on with things and support me in like any way possible like throughout lockdown for instance i was living at my girlfriend's house my girlfriend's mum's house um for like a month and like her, her mum was just so good to me like i would put insurance on the car like was there to like help the house and sort the dog out and be there for tabs during that time but like also it was like right you're doing all of this but i'm supporting the fact that during the day you're going to go out and you're going to do whatever and you, you need to go, go work and it's just it's like that support mechanism like my mum's like the most amazing person man she's the most like amazing person in the world and she 
gets me through everything. My uncle, like, well, I had a call with my mum earlier. Like, I was woke up this morning. I was so tired, Chris. Like, I was so so tired when I woke up this morning. I knew I knew that I had to like go work out and then just get on with my work for the rest of the day. I had a bunch of stuff to do before I had this. And I wanted to do like, a little bit of preparation before we had this call. And I was on the phone to my mum, and my mum just she knows straight away when there's something wrong with me. Like, she just knows like if what's going on. Why are you why are you talking like this? Why are you feeling like this? And it's like, well, I don't know, like I wanna make a fucking men's skincare brand or I wanna go like do this. I feel like I'm not getting enough like pleasure out of this and whatever. My 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 uncle's there to kind of help me on the financial side and make me know that he he's an accountant and for him to kind of like talk me through things and let me know that all right, cool, invest that money here, do that with your money and be smart with that like I couldn't have started everything if it wasn't with, for him and like yeah just the general like support for my family and stuff like and my friends as well I live with my friends and there's evenings where he's like oh, can we go for a pint now and it's like eight o'clock and it's like oh, mate, I can't can't do it right now like I'm super busy but it's it's just it's all a fat process and if you haven't got people around you that like love you and you haven't got people around you that care for you and care enough for you to see want to see you like moving forward it's it's not gonna it's not gonna work. Like the people around you are just as important as you in this, and it's not about being selective, but it's about kind of knowing who those people are. Like, yeah, it's it's it. All of it's so 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 important, and I feel like there's like some stories that I could potentially have about things like this, but it's so much of that's like rooted in like emotion and so much of that like conversation about like family and friends and stuff like that is like rooted in emotion and it's just sort of like just takes over doesn't it and they they do so much for you on your journey that you'd never actually think so much of it is like that emotional capacity for you to like have those sleepless nights and you to be mad tired and you to get emotional those days and to be upset and feel like you're not doing enough like those people uh those people are always there to like metaphorically rub your shoulders and make you feel a little better by by the end of the day and everyone around me i can so happily say that every single human being around me is so supportive of everything that i do and wish nothing but well for me going forward nothing but well for vivado yeah mate, i think every that like even at 25 years old my plan whenever something goes wrong is still mumsy business partner work i'll always call my mum first like am i going mental like what the fuck's going on should i be stressing like family is so important throughout the entire process and um I mean, the fact that I ring my mum before my business partner is probably not going to do me any well in the uh, in the women department. But um, okay, hey, proud to say it, mumsy, big up, big up, mumsy, <laughs> big up, mumsy, big up, Roitlingham. Yeah, it's, it really is a situation of like it's it's those days where I have so, I have so I feel like I have so much that I want to do at this uh, at once, and it's like, man, I'm 24 years old, and sometimes I just need my mum to knock my head. And just let me know that look, you're 24 years old and you're you're doing something that is impactful. I was like, oh well, but it's not enough. It's not enough. Like I want to be doing this. I want to do that. I want to do that. Like I don't know how how you guys feel about when it comes to your like journeys. Like Chris, I know that you work for like LucasAid as well and still do your your own thing. But like that solitary aspect sometimes of what I do and that sitting inside and being behind the laptop and putting the editing work in is so discouraging sometimes because naturally I'm such a sociable human being and I want to talk to people and I want to I want to be in this environment like Hugo Boss at campus there was like 4,000 people on the campus and every single day I was getting to know new people and I was talking to new people I was exploring the business and getting to know new things about myself at the same time and now it's gone from that to this and like 
that's the strange bit for me. That's the most discouraging thing about it is the fact that some days I go there and I'm just sat behind my computer all day, like trying to figure something out. I'll go into a house and there's no one in there. And it's like, that's the one thing sometimes that does get a bit stressful. But there's solace in it knowing that in two or three years' time, I could have four or five people working for me. I could have I, four or five. I've completely undersold it there. <laughs> in four years, I, I've got more than four or five people working for me. But like, yeah, I, I do hope that going forward, I'm working with people a lot more. But right now, it's just about me and it's about getting things done myself. I think that became so salient to me when the pandemic kicked in that all these people started to struggle because they weren't getting the buzz that they usually get off people. But I think all three of us can say that our own ventures here, we have to spend time on our own. So we were already used to it. So that's why I was like consoling people at work that weren't doing very well or spending time on their own all the time. But I guess for us three, it became normality quite a while ago. Yeah, as a freelancer, I just sit at home and write most of the time or transcribe or edit podcasts. So what I find difficult is when you're really in the zone trying to edit something, and at times it's just it's just an endless process, especially transcriptions and editing the podcasts. And sometimes you just like, it just gets a bit like enraging. So how do you, especially if you're doing something which is so technical and so detail oriented, how do you try and like keep calm, balance it, and try and find some time not to work and to just relax it's like work rest and play but without the rest i think i just want to like work work play like it's just about like working as much as possible and getting that thing getting that stuff done and and finishing everything that i know i need to finish and having my friends my girlfriend my family to come home to at the end of the day and keep me kind of like grounded and, and keep me having fun and keeping my head screwed on and knowing that outside of the working world like there's so many people who do a nine to five and then nine to five just becomes like their whole life and it's like that for the rest of like their years and i don't want to get too like deep on that side of things because i mean i i i get it do you know what i mean like i, I really understand that like people people need that like people need purpose and i just kind of i want my purpose to be beneficial for like everyone around me and i want to be able to spend my money and i want to be able to have fun with it like in february for instance my friend josh had won a prize at work where he got to go skiing for i think it was like three or four days and then go to vegas afterwards like with the company and like bro like me and him are best pals like we do anything for each other but there's no one else that you could call in that situation because everyone else is doing their nine to five job and everyone is no offense like when i say anything like about like nine to five like nine to five is what it is like i've been doing that for however long in my life as well but like doing that, like it doesn't allow you the avenue to go and be able to do your own thing. It doesn't be able, it doesn't give you the avenue to sort of put everything down for four or five days, take that out and go and just fucking blow your money in Vegas and have like an epic time for a few days. Like it's not that simple unless you're at a higher level. And it's it's those like little breaks that I have and I love taking holidays and I love traveling and I love going to see the world. So for me to be able to spend my money confidently and not just spend my money, but spend my time on that is is the most rewarding aspect of it, knowing that I can put things down and just go and have fun for a bit. But it's it's always niggling in the in the back of your head, like, oh shit, I've got this email to respond to, I've got this to do, I've got that to do. But you can make it work, man. You can you you make it work just over time. Like you make it work just by keeping your head screwed on. At the end of the podcast, we like to ask people just to give a quick 
pitch of their business to anyone who is interested. So say we're in an elevator, we've only got 10 floors and you've only got 30 seconds to tell me the business because I'm, I'm a quick man and I, I don't have enough time to listen to you. What would you say to me? Well, so we're a luxury property and real estate marketing platform. Being able to put yourself inside of a building is almost impossible unless you are actually physically inside of that building. But what we do gives you the opportunity to put you inside of that building by not even being there, but just being on your laptop, being on your phone, or being on your iPad or whatever it is. There's an unlimited amount of benefits for any business. If you're the man in the elevator is a restaurant owner, if he's an art gallery owner, if he works in the NHS, he works in old people's home, there will be some sort of benefit for you and for your customers to be found from what we do. All right, mate, as we close off this episode of the podcast, um, where can the On The Side podcast listeners find you? Right, okay, so Aaron underscore Bader on Instagram. The company is Vivado Tour. Um, www.vivadotour.co.uk um, LinkedIn, Aaron Page, A-A-R-O-N-B-A-I-D. And yeah, just feel free to get in contact with us if you feel like VR or any of our marketing solutions could be of benefit to your business. Don't hesitate to contact. So this is On The Side, and that was Aaron Bade. What do you think of this episode, Chris? Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about it, mate. Ironically, I got a message while we were recording from my best mate who's just bought, bought his first property. Came through. And I'm looking at it, it looks like a lovely place, but the photos are shit. And I'm thinking, this was an inevitable trend. This was gonna happen at some point. And Aaron took his time, he thought about what he wanted to do. He knew that his love fell behind aesthetic of fashion, but also this meticulous aspect of project management. And I think he's created a business and a brand that don't just fit around in the way he works, but his own personality. I've been watching this from the side on LinkedIn and on Instagram for quite a while now, and I was really keen to get him on the podcast. And um, I've learned a lot, to say the least, and I'm so, so impressed as well by his tenacity when it comes to partnerships. Like, loads of people will start a business and it floats, right? It just does its thing, it ticks along. It makes them enough money and they're, they're content with what's going on. Here, Aaron's gone, shit, this is my full-time life now. Like, this is the thing that keeps me up at night. This is the thing that I want to make my family proud with. How do I do it? And he's using all those motivations to go... Sotheby's, Knight Frank, like who are the big boys? Who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to talk to to make this sustainable? Who do I need to speak to for this to be the long term before I venture out into other things? So yeah, I'm 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 dumbfounded by it. I'm super impressed. What about yourself, mate? I think it shows the importance of if you wanna contact someone, just try and just go for it. You know, actually I was just before this, I was interviewing a director and he was wanted this music for his film, so he just message the guy on Twitter and the guy says, yeah, I'll do it. So, I mean, it's the old saying in the North, you know, shy barns getting out. And I think it's true. Just if, if you want something, just go and ask it, ask for it. Don't be shy. And don't think that there's anyone who's too big for you to contact. Just see if they're interested. And if they're not interested the first time, let them know and then say, we'll come back to you in a year or something. And I think that's a really good idea for a business, isn't it? Without a shadow of a doubt, mate, I think you've you've hit the nail on the head. Don't don't be scared to to message the big dogs because the big dogs will often come back to you. That was on the side with me, Redmond Bacon, and my co-host Chris Adams. You can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you find podcasts. 
If you want to show your support, we now have a Ko-Fi page at ko-fi.com slash on the side. Thank you for listening and make sure to tune in next time.